Nini Ola on Metro FM. This is Maradona. Eight minutes after seven, Famous Fresh Fridays, hanging out with SAFM brand new breakfast host as of Monday, Stephen Grotes. Kariba on Twitter says, hashtag Fresh Breakfast. Please ask Stephen, if it wasn't for the EFF, do you think younger people would still be so interested in politics like they've become? Uh, no, I don't. Um, so if you look at, uh, in most democracies and democracy countries that have been freer and more democratic than ours for longer, you see that young people just don't vote. It's voting is something you do when you turn about 30, 35, depending yes. on the situation. You see it in this country too. Um, and where the big change and a good example of a change was Barack Obama's first election, 2008, young people came in. And in the States, mm. roughly 40 to 50% of people vote in presidential elections. That election, 60%. Yes. Young people who came in. Julius Malema reinvigorated our politics. Mm. I mean, I'm never going to hold that against him. Uh, he can argue about whether how he's done it and all the rest, and I think the arguments will continue. But he did bring in young people, and he made it sexy. Someone like uh, Dr. Mbiaseni and Lawsy, despite what he thinks of me, makes politics sexy. What does he think of you? Uh, he says that I'm incompetent <laughs> or something. I don't know. You'll have to ask him. Maybe yes. he'll speak to you. Anyway, um, so, so, so people like that have made politics sexy. I mean, mm. you get on the front page of Destiny Man like you're doing something, you know. Sure. And I think that's really important. Fees Must Fall's done it as well, though, and I think that would have happened without the EFF, although it might not have been as big. Yes. Nine minutes after seven. The bigger question right now is if Stephen Grotes is smarter <laughs> than a primary school kid. <laughs> If your little one would like to play against uh, Stephen, 089-110-3377. What kind of kid were you at school, uh, Stephen? Uh, I was the guy who sat in the back and talked all the time. Yes. Um, and absolutely kind of had knew, knew who was going to be the naughty kid in the class who was going to be kicked out next and you go yes. sit somewhere else um, so that I wouldn't be caught with him, you know? Yes. Now, you're a parent now. Yeah. Uh, what are you teaching your kids about pre-94 mm-hmm. and South Africa now? And how important mm-hmm. is it to give them that kind of perspective. So my children are still very young, eight yes. and six. Yes. Um, and and one of the things that you 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 know you have to try and do, and it can be quite hard, is you have to make sure that your children grow up in an environment where they don't grow up with people just like them, because yeah. that's very easy. And you know, everyone has their own journey, but but I think a lot of people have found, and I found to an extent, when you're younger and before you get married, before you settle down, it's actually much easier to go out with people in the office, so you have a much more diverse group of friends. Mm. When you start to have children, you spend a lot more time with family. Yeah. You know, I think Barack Obama said America's never as separate as it is on a Sunday morning. Sure. You know, when people go to church and when people spend the day with family. And I think mm. the same is true here mm. to a large extent. Um, so so some, of the, some of the important things to do are to ensure that your children don't grow up in an undiverse environment. And that doesn't just talk to the way people look. It talks to class as well. Yes. So, you know. Private schools are out. Um, yes. You've got to actually do other things. Mm. And and that is so those are some of the decisions we've made. Yes. Um, and, you know, all of these things are difficult because, you know, one of the things about bringing up a child mm. that I think gives all the discussions about it so much power is that everything you do with your children is seen as a criticism of what your friends have done with theirs. Yes. And it starts with the arguments about natural or Caesar, and it goes mm. all the way to schools. It goes to everything. Every decision you make, your friends say, but why have you done that because you're criticizing us, even when you aren't? Yes. Um, and family as well but but something you've got to do is is that diversity mm. is you've got to you know um my son growing up where he is the first the child that sat next to him for his first year at school mm. is the son of a domestic worker sure those are the things that you can that you do have power over and you've yes. got to do that 
Now, you've had some resistance with this move to the SABC. Sure, sure. But you're a big boy, mm-hmm. and you've dealt with conflict and resistance all your career. Yeah. Like you said, and we said in Josie, things are incompetent. Mm. How do you deal with this move? I mean, how do you get to a place where you understand why some people might question why yeah. the SABC would bring a white man mm. to work here, for mm. instance? So I think I think there are a few things. Um, one is it wasn't my decision; it was someone else's decision. The only yeah. decision I really made was to accept the was to accept the offer. Um, the other thing is that people haven't have been speaking about SFM, but they haven't seen the whole lineup. Yes, they think it's just as simple as replacing one black woman with one white man. It's not nearly that simple. Sure. Wait until you see the whole lineup, and mm. then and then judge it. Sure. The other thing is to say that I'm not just a white man. Yeah. I'm a lot more than that. I mean, yes. we don't. You know, it is it is human to look at someone and judge them on how you see them and yes. in this country with racialized inequality uh, the way that it is like I mean that makes complete sense we mm. all do that to mm. a large extent but but you can't just judge me on that I would say judge me on the radio that I'm going to produce judge you if you feel engaged judge you if you judge me if you feel that the platform is yours yes. as well and judge me on whether you listen it's as simple as that you know so many times people are huge radio personalities not because they're light Yes. You know, they're often hated, yes, <laughs> but yes. people still listen to them because they know that they'll get the answers, they'll produce the radio, they'll produce the conversation, the national conversation. And back to why I'm here in the first place, SAFM and SABC generally is in a unique position mm. to, have an, to have a diverse conversation where everyone gets a chance. Mm. And, and that, that has to be given the biggest possible chance it can be given. 13 minutes after 7, we have 100,000 rand in cash to give away. It could be yours. Metro FM is where you're at. Moosley on Metro FM. This is Getting Cash. Eight minutes after eight. Welcome to Famous Fresh Fridays. Stephen Grotes joins the SAFM team as of Monday. He'll be doing breakfast. From what time, sir? So uh, from six o'clock in the morning, not quite as early as you. Yes. Uh, six o'clock in the morning till nine. Uh, the show is going to be called SAFM Sunrise. Now, your political career started with the trial of Shabir Sheikh, yeah. which has led, obviously, to the charges that former President Jacob Zuma now faces. Yeah. Um, you did the Zuma rape trial, Bulukwani conference, elections in 09, 2011, 14, and 16. You've seen the creation of COPE, Achang, the EFF, and, of course, uh, Nazrek uh, the other day. What's Achang again? <laughs> uh, it's a gang <laughs> made up of one woman. Yeah. Where's the book? Well, there was one a few years ago. Yes. Uh, but you know what's amazing about that? So that was 2013, 2014, a year ahead of the 2014 elections. You could almost on gut predict the, elo- the, the result of the elections, right? Yes. You cannot do that now because there was a political structure that doesn't exist. Kasatu changed completely. Mm. Yes. Um, the ANC suddenly became much more factionalized. You could see before, you know, the firing of Antlantlanene is the moment where you started to see the two groups in the ANC, right? Yes, yes. But before that, you could see it. But to try and explain it was much harder. And suddenly that fight was out in the open. Sure. And you saw it when, when Pravin Gordon was eventually removed from the, from the fi- finance ministry as well last year. And where was it? March. And so, so um, that book, I mean, as much as I loved writing it, you couldn't write it now because you can't predict our politics now. I can't give you anywhere close to an election prediction at the same place where I was when I wrote that book. It's no coincidence that we have you here today as JZ has his day in court, mm. finally. Mm. It's a story you've followed very closely. Yeah. What are your impressions about it, uh, the Ramaphosa effect, and all these pieces that are seemingly falling into place? 
Yeah, you know, it's going to be in the same courtroom that I spent nine months of my life with Shabir Sheikh. It's courtroom A in the Durban High Court. Yes. I don't know if the cat is still there, but she might be. And the same prosecutor. And the same prosecutor and the same police officer. And uh, Mo Sheikh and I sat next to each other for nine months. I mean, you wow. get to know a person after a while. Yes. Um, in some ways, it's incredible. In some ways, it's amazing that this is actually happening. Mm. Um, in some ways, it also tells you how powerful politics is as opposed to how powerful the law is. Because yes. on the law, this trial should have happened years ago. Ten years ago. Ten years least, ago. Yes. But the politics managed to stop it, really. Yeah. And now now the, the law has eventually... I mean, this is a sort of moment in South Africa where... And it was really the, the, the politics became stronger than the law the moment Mokateri share advocate as he was, still is, withdrew the charges against Zuma, right? He still thinks he did nothing wrong. Mm. Yes. I mean, when I spoke to him about it, he still thinks he did the right thing. And there's no personal responsibility coming from him that I can see at all. Doesn't make sense. And every single judge disagrees with him. It's yes. not just, it's not like there's one judge in a minority decision who says actually none of them do. Yes. And that for me really, I mean that's a snot club in yeah. anyone's language. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really important. So, so there's all of these things happening. In the end though I don't know that President, uh, former President Zuma will go to jail. I'm, sure. not, I'm not sure about that. If he was found to have a generally corrupt relationship yeah. with Shabir Sheikh, and Shabir Sheikh did time. Yeah. Surely they should have yeah. done time together. Yes. I mean, and this goes back, you see, I mean, it's easy to say Zuma politicized justice. Yeah. It wasn't. Tabo and Beki politicized justice. Sure. And I know exactly what's going to happen on my Twitter timeline when I say I would, that. Are we referring to soft Italian shoes? <laughs> We're referring to, yeah, Bulalani and Luca. <laughs> mm. um, because he became the first head of the NPA when it was formed, right? Yes. And he was the first person, and then he was the person we know was playing a role in the timing of the charging of Jacob Zuma as he then was before sure. he became president. Mm. And that should never have happened. When mm. he was when he resigned from the NPA, um, he after the you know everything that happened, the inquiry, the Hefeco Commission and all the rest, he should have just exited the space. That's what he should have done, but mm. he didn't. He conspired with Leonard McCarthy, who's also never accounted for his actions. Neither of them have ever come into a studio like this one and answered questions about what they mm. did. They have mm. a duty to, in my view. Sure. Um, and they they created the situation mm. that allowed Zuma to get off in the end. I mean, irony of ironies. Now, Stephen, I'm loving hearing you mm. give your views unapologetically about mm. what you think of the state of politics in the country. But the perception is that is 702 Stephen Hurtis. Mm. You're coming to SABC, mm. the SABC. The perception is that you can't be as outspoken sure. as you are now, especially mm. when it comes to the ruling party. How do you aim to change that perception being at SAFM? I think in some ways, you know, we all play different roles depending on the different roles that we're doing at the time. So I used to present a program called The Midday Report that was straight current affairs. I never gave an opinion. You, you might hear an opinion in an interview, yeah. but, you know, I could easily attack someone who held one position and then attack the person who held the opposite position immediately afterwards. That was my job. Mm. Um, and the, the SAFM Stephen Krotus will be slightly different to the 702 Stephen Krotus. And so yeah. did the 702 Stephen Krotus doing opinion radio as I was doing on Drive on 702. This is going to be a different person mm. also one of the things that changes is that is that the audience that i've been speaking to is what you would call is richer and much more middle class yeah. right my audience now is going to be very different and is going to be 
across the country much more diverse. So all of these things you've got to take into account. When you give opinion, generally speaking, the more diverse your audience, you'll probably find the more boundaries there are around the opinion. That's why network TV in the States is boring and HBO is great. Yes. Okay? Yeah. That's because if you're going for a small audience, you can be really cool. Mm. The best kind of most authentic hip-hop probably is not the worst, is not the most widely listened to hip-hop. Mm. Sure. Let me put it like that. So so all of those things you've got to take in in board. The other thing is that I'm not going to be doing opinion radio. I will give an opinion okay. primarily to provoke a discussion but it's not going to be a strong hard opinion where and I'm never, I mean I've never condemned people I've never gone and said this person da 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 I'm never going to do that and I'm not going to do it now. What I am going to do though is that it's not my opinion that's important. Where I've been in the past it sort of is mm. to an extent mm. but that's also to provoke the opinion of other people. Yeah. Um, my job now is to get people to express their opinion. So it's if you're listening, it's your opinion mm. that's important, yeah. not mine. I, mine is only a tool in that case. Okay. 14 minutes after 8, Stephen Krotis is in the Metro FM building. Catch him on SAFM as of Monday from 6 a.m. Da Capo featuring Berita Sol. This is Found You. 21 minutes after 8, fresh breakfast on Metro FM. Welcome to Famous Fresh Fridays. Stephen Krotus joins SAFM. He'll be doing the breakfast show from 6 a.m. as of Monday. Uh, maybe you'd like to chat to Stephen. If you have any opinions you'd like to share if with him or of him, you can call us on 089-110-3377. Now, before we, we took a song break, you spoke about the fact that you don't see Jay-Z doing time. Mm. Why would you say that? I think just so much has happened. Uh, it's yes. not that the evidence isn't there. It absolutely is. Yep. I mean, the Leverage files that I spent so much time having to wade through are still there. Yes. Um, I just think that in the end, so much has happened. And it could be so divisive. And I don't know how. I can't explain how it's going to not be stopped, but how something's going to happen. Because I was going to say, surely evidence doesn't rot or diminish. Doesn't, no. And especially when it's bank payments. I mean, yes. they unfortunately keep records. Sure. Um, I think one of the things, I mean, if you look at how divisive this could be, but I think the key moment could actually be whether the state continues to pay for his legal fees. Mm. Because w as long as they do, he can bring delay and delay and delay and obfuscation and all the rest as he's done. It doesn't matter. Yes. And we mustn't forget... You know, Voter Basson, that guy, mm. his legal fees are still paid for by the state. For real? For real. Because what he was doing at the time was, was state work. Oh, yes. I mean, I mean, you think about that. You know, you can imagine Zuma's lawyers saying, well, you know, and how do you argue against that? So as long as the as Zuma's fees are paid for by the state, I think this will go on. Key moment comes if uh, President Sura Maposa is mm. able to make a decision. I don't know about the legalities of it. Is able to say, no, the state won't anymore. Sure. Then things change dramatically. We're hanging out with Stephen Krotis. Maybe you have, any, you have questions or comments for Stephen. We'll take your calls right now. Mako in Boxburg. What's your question or comment? Stephen. Mako, how's it, man? I'm good, man. I'm so happy moving to the SAPC. Thank you. You did a splendid job at 702, man, especially on the midday report. <laughs> Thank you, man. I, I found that when you moved to a three-hour slot, mm. you were not as tough in terms of asking questions. <laughs> I'm not sure if maybe that was the mandate to say the midnight, midday mm. slot is different to a yeah. three-hour slot or what. No, there was no mandate. It was just, it's a different type of radio. You know, when you're doing a, an hour-long show with 10 interviews in it, you get to the point, and you get to the point quite quickly. Some people would say rudely, but that's how it works. When you do a three-hour show, 
You, it's just a different vibe, eh, Mako? I mean, it's just a slightly different thing, really. And yeah, I think you, that's you, really you can, the you can let it breathe a bit yeah, more. Yes. Yeah. And you can sometimes, you know, you win a lot with honey, eh? You don't have to be quite so rude to get there because you're not hacking for time all the sure. time. Yeah. Is that yeah, all, Mako? Congratulations. Thank you. I'm an EFF member. I don't <laughs> agree with the statement that has been issued yeah. by our, our dogs today to say yeah. uh, you, are, you are not a good journalist. Yeah. I think. Uh, they're not being objective. You are a great radio journalist, man. All the best. Thank you, Mako. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks for your question, Mako. We're taking your calls for Stephen Krotas, 089-110-3377. You're live on Metro. Morning. Morning. How are you? Well, good, sir. What's your name? I'm talking to Tandanani. Tandanani, what's your question for Stephen? Yes, I want to ask something. Um, Yes, we understand that uh, former president uh, Jacob Zuma I'd have some charges that uh, are being alleged against it. But do you ever look at the good things that he has done for this country? Well, sure. I mean, that's a political comment, though, and it's a political argument about what he's done for the country, not a legal one. And the, I, think, I think what you're seeing is that the evidence says that there's, and the prosecutors believe, and I think they're right to believe, that they have a strong case against him. I mean, in the end, never mind what someone has done. If you are accused of a crime and there is a case to answer, and you are accused of taking money from someone who the Constitutional Court says must go to jail for giving you the money, well, I think the prosecutor's going to think they have a strong case. Okay. Yeah. Because um, as, a, as a person who's maybe like not well, that's really what's happening. But uh, from us, we we black people also think that people are just being vindictive against mm-hmm. President Jacob Zuma for being a pro-black uh, champion towards the chat for things. Of course, obviously, there are always loopholes in anything that people try to do, whether to improve the lives of mm. the large mass. So, There's uh, always going to be a loophole. So, okay, qu- question. how do you get to cover those areas where we find those loopholes happening? Uh, t- t- not any questions. So are you saying that because my uncle looks after 20 of us, the fact that he raped the nephew or the niece, we must kind of forget about that because there's 20 of us that are eating off the uncle? Mm. Not exactly that, but I'm um, saying that um, you can see, you like, how many black companies have been open since Tabo Mbeji uh, left office and Jacob Zuma came into office. Compare those two and see how, how much infrastructure has been developed in the country versus the previous president and the, then, and the president who just left just now. So based on that, he shouldn't go to court, is what you're saying? No, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying the good things that he Thanks for what are your thoughts? What, what well, well I suppose I mean the thing is around you've got to look at the evidence, and the evidence doesn't necessarily suggest that more black businesses were open. Sure, more were, but there were also more resources available as a result of what had happened during the Mbeki era. I mean, BE started long before uh, Zuma became president, um, and the processes kept going. Um, in the Zuma presidency, and it wasn't just his fault. We lost a million jobs. We lost a million jobs because of the global economic crisis. Why do you think we love thinking like that? So, for instance. Mm like Tandanani saying, that there's so many th- good things Zuma has mm. done, but there's also this 
elephant in the room. Mm. Uh, you know, Vicky Momberg is told you're going to go to jail yeah. because you're racist. Mm. White folk turn around and say, what about Julius? Mm. Why do we think mm. like that? Mm. As opposed to say, mm. what you did was wrong. Mm. Yeah. We know you've done good things, mm. but yeah. what you did was wrong. Mm. Mm. So, I mean, I think, I think that people... And, and you see this around the world. We mustn't. Th- I mean, we are unique in some ways. Yes. And in some ways, we're human beings like everybody else. People trust people that are like them. That's mm-hmm. just the way it is. That you that you know that you you feel comfortable with, whether it's your language, whether it's the way you look. I mean, look at the way that a men's football team behaves in the locker room when there are no women around. Right. Yes. They trust each other. They say things they would never say anywhere else. All of those things. I mean, that's in, in a way the basis of it. Mm. Donald Trump's election victory is based on that too. By the way. Yes. I mean, his cabinet's almost entirely white. All of his officials are entirely white mm. because the voters voted that way because they didn't like Barack Obama. Sure. Mm. You would never have had Trump without Obama. Obama. Sure. And I mean, that shows you what human beings around the world are like. When people talk about the politics of identity, and there's this ridiculous argument that when will South Africans stop voting on identity? Politics around the world is about identity. Always has been, and probably always will be. It's 29 minutes after 8. We're hanging out with Stephen Grotes on Metro FM. When we come back, we talk white privilege, we talk land, and we take more of your questions. We're back with more on Monday with Mid-Tempo Monday. Right now, famous Fresh Friday, Stephen Grotes is in the building. He joins SAFM starting Monday at 6 a.m. If you're a Stephen Grotes fan or you're a Daily Maverick fan, you'll know that uh, he also writes for Daily Maverick. And his pieces usually set the tone or agenda and can be a great content for the day. How do you tap into the different layers of Stephen <laughs> and what informs the tone of your writing, so, your radio, your yeah. journalism, the news you do? So it depends what role I'm playing at the moment. If I'm yes. doing an interview, right, my job is to, is, to, is to let that person state their case as clearly as possible so that we all understand it. Yes. And it's sometimes to make them answer the difficult questions, right? Yeah. To basically say, why are you doing this? And that, that means that sometimes you don't do it in a controversial shout and scream way. Yes. You say to them, Explain yourself. Yeah. Why do you believe this? Do it as calmly and politely. And then if they refuse to answer questions, that's when things go, you know, slightly different. Yes. Um, when I'm writing, my job is to, is to try and analyze something. So, I mean, when I started, I was probably more opinionated than I am now. I think yeah. I've become fairer over the years and more analytical. And it's important to say… Or you've become a dad. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you just understand how much gray there is in the world. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. And… And one of the things you've got to try and do is understand why someone is doing something. So mm. it is easy to say, oh, what's a good example? Well, let's be controversial. It's easy to say President Jacob Zuma does not give a good State of the Nation address in English. Mm. Easy to criticize him for that. Sure. <clears throat> Much more interesting and important to say, but why? Yes. And the reason why is that unlike the United States or Britain, we're not a television democracy. Yes. Mm. Because that's what those places have become. I mean, Donald Trump, I mean, you know. In a way, Barack Obama was the best television po- politician there'll ever be, and mm. Trump is the best Twitter politician there is. Sure. Yes. Okay. So, so once you understand that, then you're getting to the basis of something. Mm. Giving speeches in English, colonial language, for uh, former President Zuma was never a political priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once you understand that, okay, now I know why he's not. Now that's more interesting to me. Mm. And, and that's what I try and get to in my analysis, is to try and think about those things um, and to think about why things are happening. Because if you can understand why they're happening, you're better able to predict results. Exactly. So, I mean, there was a moment last year when everyone started to sort of, the market started to price in a Ramaphosa victory. You think, okay, are they right? Why could they be right? And why could they be wrong? Mm. Never mind what you or I or whoever wants to happen. Why? 
We're taking calls for Stephen Hrotis. The more the merrier. Shonisani, hi. Hi, thank you for taking my call. How are you? Oh, well, good. Thanks for holding, sir. What's your question or comment? Um, first, let me just start uh, by commenting on what the last caller said. That, uh, it doesn't mean that Fresh uh, Consortium has been in, uh, on radio for the years and years and years, and all of a sudden Fresh does something wrong. Just because Fresh has done a whole lot of good things, we have to actually overlook that. Exactly. Mm. Zuma said... Uh, for Stephen to know who's talking, let me just start by saying negative one <laughs> <laughs> said that he needs his day in court. So I don't understand what's this whole halabaloo about. When it happened before he ascended to the chair, he was supposed to attend to all these whatever cases that he was supposed to attend to. There was all this miraculous. So how you ascend to the seat, if you look at the whole thing, it's how he's actually descended, because when he ascended to the seat, there was a whole lot of noise. There was a whole lot of uncertainty. Even now, because he's descending, or he's descended already, there's still the same thing. So the computer language is garbage in, garbage out. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, Sonny, uh, your, your thoughts, Stephen? Yeah, I mean, you know... If you go back to what happened, this happened long before people thought that uh, Jacob Zuma would one day become president. Mm. I mean, he was becoming deputy leader of the ANC. And I mean, there was a flurry of activity when he became deputy president of the ANC and lawyers going back and forth to sign different documents because they suddenly realized the money that should be a shake had given him was a gift and had to be turned into a loan. They had to write a loan agreement. And then the yes. loan agreement got lost. Sure. Now, if, if you have a really good friend and... That really good friend lends you money. And now they're going to go to jail for lending you money because the document that shows that it wasn't a gift, that was a loan, your lawyer lost it. Would you keep that lawyer? Not a chance. Mm. Jacob Zuma did. Now, doesn't that tell you everything? Good morning, Moses. Thanks for holding. What's your question or comment? Morning, Moses. Daniel, thanks for holding. What's on your mind? Uh, Morning, 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 Fresh. Yes, sir. Uh, what I would like to comment is about uh, like uh, Stephen saying that uh, Malema like influenced uh, the youth to go into politics. Mm. I have a different view. Like uh, you know, we I used to personally. I'm a 24 year old. I used to watch uh, Parliament like uh, just to see like the EFF uh, like stealing the show in the Parliament. But then like once it was over, then it was done for me. Mm. But then I started listening to him on 702 like. It's in-depth analysis of the politics. Like that—that—that's what got me hooked into the, the politics. Like uh, when I listen to his show, like uh, the people like he invited, like the political analysts, uh, like your Raf Patera, like Lukonamguli, uh, you know, Prince Marshall. Like they, like they, they got me like thinking, and like he made uh, in the sense made me more aware to what was happening happening around me. All right, so you credit Stephen, not yeah. Julius. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daniel, your check is in the mail. Uh, Stephen <laughs> literally just mailed it right now. 8.45, Stephen Hrotus is in the Metro FM building. We wrap up with Stephen after this. DJ Slick, do it for me. 8.50, Fresh Breakfast on Metro FM. We're wrapping up with our famous Fresh Fridays guest, Stephen Hrotus. We'll be doing the breakfast show on SAFM starting this Monday at 6 a.m. I'm uh, certain he's very excited. He's been off radio for a week already. and uh, <laughs> I, I'm missing it. <laughs> yes, I'm sure your, your, your radio voice is itching for, mm. for that thrill. Mm. Let's talk for a minute. In fact, Paul uh, earlier on off-air asked you about 
this vilification of Mama Winnie, mm. this fear of mm. Mama Winnie. Mm. And I want to have a bigger conversation about this. Almost this disinformation that continues to happen. Mm. In the 80s, it was about the black fear. Yeah. Um, I've got a white friend who says when she was a little girl, she feared Mama Winnie because that's what she was told, yeah. that Mama Winnie is this yeah. boogeyman. Yeah. But it's almost like 30 years forward, mm. people haven't bothered to research mm. or learn mm. what yeah. might have been a disinformation. There's a white genocide what <laughs> being sold right now. Yeah. <laughs> How do we even start dealing with such disinformation, such fear? Yeah. I mean I think I think the thing about Winnie Malikazela Mandela was that I think I think the white government at the time, the apartheid government and the people who benefited from that government like re- we're really scared of her, yes, and I think that's because she was very aware of her power. Sure, um, and I, I think they're all of those things that are really important, um, and that are sort of the basis for it. You know, I mean, there are people who I think feared Cyril Ramaphosa as well because he was the leader of the National Union of Mine Workers yes. and leading this huge strike in 1987, and those people are now just so pleased that he won at Nasrik. Yes, um, and in a way, perhaps. She never went through the same process of rehabilitation in their minds, mm. partly because they probably didn't seek to even start it. And I think that's probably true, um, that they didn't, you know, they didn't start that process. But I think it really does come from a point of fear to a large extent. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, when someone comes to you and confronts you with the truth and is aware of their power and they speak the truth to you, mm. I think that's, it's difficult for people to, do, to deal with that, to look that person in the face and deal with it. And that's what was happening with her. Yeah. Because from, a very, I mean, from the 1960s, she was saying things that are, that are accepted now but mm. weren't then. Yes. Mm. And I think that, that is what imprinted her in people's minds. So how do we deal with that disinformation? Um, what's going on with, mm. for instance, the white genocide? Mm. Yeah. Almost implying that not all South Africans are victims of crime. Yeah. I mean, look, the people who put the white genocide myth, I mean, they have their own p- particular agenda. Yeah. I mean, and the Australian minister had his own sort of thing. And there's racism there, obviously. Yes. And the idea that one life is worth more than another. And it's mm. all nonsense. I mean, yeah. we must accept that and call it that. Yeah. So I think there's certain ways you have the conversation. One is that you've got to try and, and it's got to be mediated because it's not going to happen if it's not. Mm. It has to have people who will say, you can speak and I am going to allow you to speak. And that's not to say that the anger that people feel is not legitimate. Mm. It absolutely is. Mm. But we still need to have a conversation, and you're not going to have a conversation without the mediation. Mm. It's yes. just not people are that, that's that's a cue for people to build their lager and stay in it, right? Mm. Mm. And then we're all going to look like Dane Fern. Yes. And <laughs> and so what you need to do is you need to have a mediated conversation where you can educate people at the same time. And you do that by providing compelling content, mm. which is hard to do, but you've got to do it. I know you're not a spokesperson for white South Africa. <laughs> but, but No mandate. <laughs> but, but where are the influential mm. white South Africans mm. who get it mm. but don't speak out? So, so in some ways, many people are in their own private spaces. You know, the Nelson Mandela Foundation started a thing a couple of years ago where they basically said, you know, it starts with you and your family. You have to confront your parents and say what you just said at the dinner table is not cool yes. and is unacceptable. Mm. In some ways, the Vicky Momberg thing is going to help those people because mm. it says, it's not just me saying it, it's the state saying it, yes. okay? And that provides them with a little bit of strength and a little bit of help in that. Mm. No matter what you think of, you know, and there's a big argument people can have, but I think that helps them. Um, people also... You know, you find yourself get caught in the middle Mm. because as a white person, sometimes you can say X, Y and Z about white privilege or black pain, but it's never going to be enough for many black people because the only thing you can say is sorry, we were wrong. Yes. And you can't say that enough. 
right? So you say it and you get attacked from people who are not are not happy that you've said enough. And that's, I understand that. And then you get attacked from, you know, as a white person, your own people who say you've said too much. Yes. And so it can be quite an unforgiving space. Mm. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. Mm. It is still the right thing to do. But if you go on Twitter and say that, you're not going to have an easy day. Yes. So, so sometimes you've got to say the right thing knowing all of that. Mm. And that's sometimes what we do in mm. a studio like this one sure. as you occupy that uncomfortable space. You know, every diversity workshop I've been in and all the rest, they always say the one thing is don't, come, don't think you're going to come out of this feeling comfortable. You aren't. Mm. And I think that's so true, especially maybe more, well, maybe only for white people. Again, how do we get white South Africa to come to the table and participate because you almost feel mm. like white south africa carries on yeah. parallel yeah. to the rest of the country i mean i remember uh, minister chwet at some stage complained about this mm. that for white people a lot of public holidays about i'm going santa yeah. to shop yeah. as opposed to what is being commemorated are you teaching your kids mm. about what is being commemorated mm. how do we get buy-in so, I mean, in your you humble th- opinion, yeah, society is changing in multiple ways all yes. at the same time. So, so where you get real integration and where affirmative action, one of the, the really important but less observed things about affirmative action mm. is that it's not just about restitution and all the other things. It's also about integration because you can only force integration at work. You can't force it at home. Yes. You can't force people to marry people. You know, you, you've got to force it at work. You, you so can't legislate starts. attitudes. Yes. yes. So that, that's the starting point. And that goes to also university places, tertiary, schools, all of these things. So, you've got to, so, so that, that sort of thing is happening at the same time. Mm. Um, what you have to try and do is have a conversation where people feel that they can speak and be listened to and can also feel that they will be educated all at the same time and you've got to make them open to that education. That's hard to do. As well as that's a tall ask. It is. It's multi-generational. Yes. It is multi-generational. Yeah. I mean, if you look at attitudes towards gay marriage in the United States and how they've changed over 20 years, 20 years ago, mm. you see it happens slowly, but it happens quickly. Yeah. And I realize that makes no sense because you're going to look at South Africa and say white people are still richer than black people and it's still obviously true. Mm. But if you had looked at South Africa 20 years ago and say go to Rosebank in Johannesburg on a Friday night and look at how integrated that place is mm. and how young people, millennials, whatever language you want to use, how they're all mixing with each other and all going to school with each other, you would have said 20 years ago, I don't know if that'll happen either, but it is. So it's slowly and fast. In closing, your views on expropriation without compensation? Uh, Land is hugely symbolic and it needs to be dealt with, but there are two things you need to try and do. You need to achieve something symbolic because it's so important. It is, in a way, the fundamental nature of everything is in how land was taken from people. Mm. We also need to try and agree on some facts i mean some of the stuff that i was taught at school is all rubbish yes you know some of the stuff i learned at university i realized okay what i was taught at school are rubbish but some of what i was taught at university and i did history three at university i need to sort of go and reread again because mm. the because history's change as we understand more um but we also need to deal with the symbolism hugely important but we also need to deal with the real mm. so are we going to give i mean you know the mythical thing is we're going to give every black person an I, I half an acre say, in the northern I, cape that's not going to do it I, 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 right and i was going to say there's also that disinformation mm. now that mm. yeah. uh, black people are going to just come and take your land no yes. ways i mean you know one of the big differences between here in zimbabwe is that there the president wanted it and here the president doesn't yes that's a huge difference mm. when you're analyzing it you know expropriation without compensation i mean yes um I think what you need to do is, as a society, we need to have the conversation. The conversation between role players, by the way, as much as I wanted to be transparent, can't mm. happen transparently because people won't give up their constituencies in public. Yes, it, it's going to be in a locked door meeting, mm. and someone's going to have to bang some heads together. And I do think President Ramaphosa is uniquely placed to be that person. 
Stephen Crotus. Um, mm. I think we needed five to ten hours yeah. with you. <laughs> but uh, those that love you, that love your voice, that love your mind, or who disagree with you and uh, want to listen to SAFM for that particular reason can find you there from Monday at 6 a.m. 6 a.m., 6 to 9, SAFM Sunrise. Really looking forward to it. It's a big thing. Come and be, sorry, I'm taking your space. Come yes. and be at the start of something new. Great stuff. Stephen Crotus, thank you very much. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Crotus is about to leave the building and enter the one next door.